like the real deal now. Ooh. Gonna kick this sorry ass out on the street. Hello everybody, welcome to the Lockdown Wrestling Podcast, uh, my name is Robert Fuller, and return to the podcast is um, the podcast boatsman from WWE 2K14, Craig Irby, welcome back to the show. <laughs> yep, yep, uh, ba- yep, basically, I, I actually haven't played it nearly as much uh, since the last one, so I won't be like, yeah, that's weird how this is like that thing in that video game, over and over again this time around, hopefully. Uh, no worries, no problem. Um, and we are continuing our series into the Undertaker streak. And in this one, we are talking about uh, West Virginia 15, where it takes on Big Boss Man in the Hell in a Cell. And this is quite an um, unusual one because it's heel versus heel, which you rarely see. Um, and also it's because it's widely going to be probably the worst Hell in a Cell um, as well. Actually... The more that I thought of, I, I I feel like I should have done research for this, but I want to say that this I do think that this was a better Hell in a Cell match than um, there was a uh, if you remember this around two thousand nine there was a uh, Undertaker CM Punk Hell in a Cell yeah. which opened the show and went like seven minutes and Undertaker just beat him and then not like no, yeah. no use of the cage or anything like that and for as much as this is, well, we'll get to it, for as much as this, they did at least use the cage in this one, which... Yeah, very briefly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they used it enough to constitute there being a cage there. Yes, it does. Um, So, a bit of a story on the match is that um, Overtaker turns heel um, around Judgment Day, and uh, we, you know, Get yourself back together with Paul Bearer, which, um, in my last podcast, I was speaking to Joe Grinning at West Monday 14, talking about how wrestlers seem to be the most forgiven people on the planet. Because, you know, after The Undertaker's pretty much had Kane, like, set him on fire, pretty much Paul Bearer choosing to be a murderer. And then Undertaker just turns around and goes, Why, well, I forgive you all. And, oh, by the way, I didn't actually set that fire. Um, so it kind of like really emphasized the heel turn. And then in the beginning of January of, of 1999, that's when he starts to form the Ministry of Darkness. He gets um, the Acolytes, Bruno Bradshaw, um, Abduct, Dennis Knight, and um, we trust him as Midian. Um, I mean, Dennis Knight was from the Godwins, was he? Yeah, uh, the Godwins, and I believe for a very, very short time, he was a part of the very short-lived tag team Southern Justice, who... Yeah. Um, I, which I only remember existed because um, since I've already since we've already brought this up uh, uh, on the last show about the whole WWE network and all that they had like a random raw episode I think it was the uh, episode where um, where Austin bust, bust out the Zamboni which yeah fits because it's in that time frame of like you know Undertaker and Kane and then the eventual turns and you know all that madness um, yeah. and. They they had a match with Southern Justice in the New Age Outlaws, and I'm guessing sometime between there and uh, here, uh, uh, Dennis Knight n- changed his name completely and became the Midian that we would all be vaguely familiar with in yeah. podcast 15 years later about the Ministry of Darkness. Yes, um, and also he increased a bit more. I remember I remember when that that's when he I think that's the one when he kidnaps. Mabel, and then um, he turns into the ministry and becomes Viscera, who recently passed away. Yes, and, and he also, yeah, and then you get the um, the Brood, which are Gandrel and Ed Christian. See, and I, did, uh, I mean, this kind of bring comes up later in the match too. I did not know that the Brood was a part of uh, the ministry at the at this time, point in time. Um, I know, and I don't know why. I like, I I really should have remembered. This is Vince Russo, so. Yeah. 
Vince Russo will have to have, like, 10 to 15 people in a random stable together, and, and some of them will be, like, four four stables basically combined into one yeah. super stable. Yeah, she's, she's been, like, a subset of the, of the ministry, wasn't it? Yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, they, they certainly still refer to him as the Brood, which, I mean, they kind of, you know, they kind of have to if, you know, you don't really want to take away that amazing entrance, which... I think the ministry oh, is uh, to like just to bring just to bring it up to like the beginning of the match. But one thing I think is my favorite thing about uh, Taker in this era was, I mean, Taker's theme music has always been really good, sa- save that period of time where he's he's big evil and he's talking about always kicking assholes asses or whatever. Yeah, save for you know rolling Undertaker and whatnot. Um. His theme music has always been on point. Like it's been really good. Like even, like I mean, like just this. The this is I think the more famous um, the bounce or bounce. You know, where the guitar yeah. busts into uh, the uh, traditional uh, Taker theme, and like it's it's fantastic. Um, oh, I, I like that theme tune a lot, actually. Yeah, it's 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 particularly, and it's kind of it kind of goes alongside with like uh, like I don't know what it was in ninety eight ninety nine, which there's some I mean there's some goofy shit as far as like theme songs go in this era too, but like for I will say this: the two best parts of this match were uh, when the Undertaker comes out and his theme music. Yeah. And when Big Boss Man comes out, his uh, super SWAT team music is out. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's um, great. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, just to sort of the story beforehand, because um, you know, after the Royal Rumble, Undertaker starts like, wrestling with Mr. McMahon, because they killed the World Wrestling Federation. Um, they have a kind of few matches between the two. Uh, Undertaker quickly kidnaps Shane McMahon. Um, and he gives, um, there's one bit where he gives McMahon his teddy bear, and that brings Vince to his knees, but no one no one at the time knew what it was for, but we'll find out afterwards, and I'll talk about that, what, what the teddy bear actually means. Um, so that's pretty much it. It's in place, it's, it is weird that, um, pretty much like, Vince is like the big heel in the whole company, because he's, try, he's like, against Austin, he's the biggest fa- he's the big face, you know, so that, you kind of come towards the end of that feud, yet you also have, I think you kind of tearing the fans in a way because you you want to boo him because he was doing to Austin, but you kind of feel sorry for him because of what the Undertaker is doing to him. Well, that's the uh, that's the other uh, uh, Russo trope. Uh, yeah. Not really knowing who's a good guy. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, but th- I guess I guess they view it in the sense that like. The Undertaker character is um, essentially, I mean, he's a heel premise to begin with. Let's, I mean, I guess they may, the thing with, uh, I think the reason why people get mad at, like, you know, Russo, Russofication or whatever the product, is that it almost overly complicates uh, what is already actually there in the page, on the page, I guess. But, I mean, like, The Undertaker is basically kind of a, a, Maybe not. A, he's certainly not a traditional babyface, even when he is like a good guy. His yeah. his most of his run is based around the idea that that he's literalizing death, and death yeah. is the and death is the biggest heel of us of them all. Um, to put it in absurd uh, analogies, you know, death is the biggest heel of them all. You know. We all can't escape death. Death will always go over. Yes, um, yeah, the, the ultimate bad guy. Death. Yeah, I, I'm sorry that I said that exact phrase. I feel like I feel like that was like in like a bad like wrestling comic. Like if Todd McFarlane wrote a wrestling comic in the '90s, which he probably, which I mean, he made some of those action figures. So maybe maybe he did. He probably would have said the phrase "death goes over," you yeah, know, something like that. But anyways. Yeah. Uh- uh, there's, and there's a great bit where um, pretty much like my man was getting Undertaker arrested and then the week after that um, Kane who was the disappointed part of the corporation um, he's in the ring with Mr. McMahon business like going on help me out and then Kane was the master real is actually the Undertaker 
who got to my throat and then the lights turn off and when it come out is my my man in the ring. I remember seeing that bit and I actually quite enjoyed it. We, you know, not okay, not standing in the bed. It's like, oh, what a surprise! It's Undertaker. Yeah, that was yes. uh, the that was the bit where like uh, where part of the well, it, it, I mean, Kane usually wore both sleeves around that time, but I think the yeah. supposed to, the specific emphasis was he had to wear both sleeves because otherwise it would have yeah. uh, otherwise uh, Taker's tattoos would have clearly given it away. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's that. That's one of the uh, one of the fun moments. There's, I mean, there's a lot of uh, fun moments. There's not too many of them this match, mind you, but there are some yeah, fun true. moments. Yeah, um, so we get to the match. Um, the comedies of this one are Michael Cole and Jerry King Lawler. Um, oh man, <laughs> yeah. nothing has changed. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I mean, um, Michael Cole seems it's supposed to change, but probably just more to age. But he's still. Green in the commentary because uh, Jim Ross had a tackle Bell's palsy the previous year, so he was more doing the backstage stuff and kind of like you know, kind of on the mic giving my call advice to say that kind of thing. Um, and there's also the what, what I find funny about this about this dynamic also is that uh, obviously King is uh, uh, sell, you know doing the heel shtick at this point, yeah. and the sad truth of it, though, is that he's doing this heel stick better than JBL does right now. On Like, as far as being a character that openly mocks the announcer, the uh, yeah. babyface announcer, but doesn't seem to, like... Like, there wasn't any time in there where it was like... Like, King... When King teases Michael Cole about, like, some of his calls, it's like, it's like yeah, he probably should. It, yeah. it doesn't turn to, like, ten minutes being like... Well, you got conspiracy theories, and you you know hands up in clouds. Michael Cole, Michael, you know, like all yeah. that. Like it always is on Monday nights. Yeah, it's a wonderful JBL because when JBL joined the commentary team, it was like a breath of fresh air, and I was like the worst part of it. Yeah, like I, 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 I mean, it's I, I guess it's just because like his tendency always was to be to sort of drown out the. Uh, drown out Cole, but yeah. I think it was more charming in the SmackDown era because, well, maybe there was well editing, and we also did not think that there would be this massive future in which Michael Cole was commentating on two shows, yeah. and alongside JBL, who was commentating on the same two shows, and then every yeah. pay-per-view. Yeah, it's just, it's just, just Cole all the time, and JBL all the time. That's I don't even what... know Jerry Lawler exists in that component. Like, like yeah, any time that Jerry Lawler just shows up in like something like by himself, I'm like, oh yeah, you're still in the company, that's right. <laughs> you still exist. Yeah, kind of like, oh thank goodness, you survived that uh, heart attack, you know, yeah. 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 Well, thank goodness. Yeah, um, so pretty much... Um, both guys come down, and we'll, you know, we'll talk about the theme music. Uh, what I find really funny is that um, Paul Bearer is, you know, he's not allowed in the cage, and he's bitching to the referees going, you know, why am we not allowed in? And I think to myself, do you, do, you, <laughs> do, do you not know the rules of Hell in a Cell? Because only three people are allowed in, and you're not one of them. Uh, uh, well, that's just Paul Bearer being fantastic, as he always Oh, yeah, is. he is. Yeah, he's, um, I mean, he, he went... As, as his character evolved, and he, he kind of lost more of the feud, like the funeral part of gimmick, and kind of kind of asked more like evangelical in a way, um, or even for the dark side. Um, you know, it, it seems to get a lot better, and he, he kind of you're able to see him like explore like the Paul Bearer character more because unfortunately, like Undertaker, he you know he was a mouthpiece, but he's still quite limited to what he could you know what he could do, and then obviously as time went on. You know, you approach just like the, like the end of the first year, the attitude era, technically. Um, so you, you, you get a chance to, to involve that character more. Right, right. It's Yeah, it's it's interesting, especially, like, because Bear, at this point, had already, you know, picked up the load, basically, on, like, the whole Undertaker-Kane feud beginning to begin with. Yeah. Like, like it, it was clear that, like, it went from being, like, you know, Paul Bearer just doing, like, you know, the spooky act to actually legitimately establishing a story between yeah. both of these characters. And, he like, he was fantastic at it. I mean, that's... I mean, he, like... As, as we're taping this, he, you know, he 
just got announced to be in the WWE Hall of Fame, and unfortunately, it's uh, posthumous. But but that's one of those things where I think had he you know had he stayed alive, it still would have been in like a natural fit anyway. Like you know, the Paul Bearer character is so it's like it's such. So- Oh, sorry about that. That's no problem. Um, yeah, you're talking about um, Paul Bear being in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Yeah, it's basically at this... Uh, oh, hold on. Wait, okay. At, but yeah, Paul Bear as like this character, as, you know, this... He, he was so weird in that I don't think anybody really was, you know... Like, he was a, he was a good manager as Percy Pringle. Yeah. But he never, like embodied a character in that way until like you know bear eh, i guess some people would argue that he was he was interesting as you know the boss during the territory era and you know had like you know these interesting random you know he just randomly like random heels that he'd build up but like as far as i'm I'm not totally sure where i'm getting at this point other than paul bear is great (laughs) which we already knew Yes, but um, no harm is rubbing it. It's just got well, but he also has like these little things in the match too, where like like I want to say that at one point during the match, Paul Bear is like yelling. Uh, you can clearly hear him yell at uh, Boss Man. He's like, "You're serving hard time." <laughs> like, like you can hear, clearly hear him say that. He's just like, like I will. One thing I can say about this is that he clearly was having a blast at this point in his oh, career. Yeah, yeah. After after turning from just this, uh, you know, from just you know this ghosty figure into just like this, like I mean, and I mean that was fun too, I imagine too. Where I'm sure I, I've I've always heard the stories about how like Bear would try to you know crack up Taker in the middle of like a big yeah. promo, and uh, they had to keep taping him over and over again. And of course, the famous and the, of course the famous like uh, random things where they where uh, Paul Bearer talks about how the biggest <laughs> about uh, the fright of uh, drugs and hunger. Yeah, I know. What you mean, it's, it's, uh, it's Paul Bearer's a great character. Um, yep, <laughs> that's where I was getting at for yeah. five minutes. It's no problem. Pretty much, this is a short match. It's only like nine minutes. So, uh, but it does start at the beginning of them just like uh, put each other in the corners and then one drop the other throw into the corner and start punching them. It kind of starts by very, like the WrestleMania 14 match with quite a lot of brawling. Um, we see a clothesline by Undertaker and he gets a two count. Uh, Bossman hits a swing of net baker for a two count and then, you know, em- you know still emphasizes that he is the heel in this match, even though they both technically are. Um, he shouted the referee, you know, you, you're, count, you're not counting fast enough. Yeah. Um, it, which was which was kind of funny in itself. I think this was right around the time when I started, like, noting random things on commentary, yeah. where um, uh, I, I, feel, I feel bad for Michael Cole because at this point in his career, he was not very good at this. Like, I think his first phrase was, uh, he talked about how the boss man's very comfortable behind bars. Which <laughs> I get it because that makes, uh, but then I'm like, wait, he's a cop. He's not a prisoner. I know, yeah. <laughs> he's not the one behind bars. He's yeah. the one in front of the bars. Yeah. Uh, Mocking the people who are behind bars. <laughs> yeah, like maybe, maybe, maybe he goes into the cell and beats people up. Which I mean, that's that's uh, semantics. But yeah. my favorite was he talked about how the Undertaker had been inhuman as of late, and Lawler just kind of backheads him by going, "He's always been inhuman." <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's probably probably more inhuman than ever before. You know, but you can argue that point. Well, yeah, that's that's basically what Cole tries to you know sell it as. But yeah. after what you're like, Lawler's just clearly just like he's always been inhuman. Yeah. Um. So. After the uh, after Bossman bitches at the referee, uh, he boots taken down a couple of times. Uh, but the third time he gets taken down, and then Dots he gets being um, punched in the back by Taker. As he goes to the outside, and doesn't start to use the the cell to start throwing the other to the side of it. 
Um, this leads to another good Michael Cole comment where he talks about how uh, because it's because it's a different substance of cell than it usually is, you could get a finger caught in there, and then, L- yeah. and then Lawler again blasts him by going, wait, hold on, with what we saw with, you know, Mick Foley and all, you know, all of these things that have happened in the cell, you're worried about a finger getting caught? Yeah, I think that's the least of your worries. <laughs> yeah, that's the, least of your, that's the least of your problems. Yeah. Um, at this point, uh, Bossman kind of, Gets his handcuffs and chains, um, all the tickets inside the cell, um, and then drops his nightstand and starts hitting with it. And then when all the ticket goes down, the handcuffs break. So you can tell they were really good handcuffs. I, I think they were supposed to break, but not break at that point. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, it seemed like uh, for about like thirty seconds they were just kind of like, oh wait, what are we? Just keep beating me up, and then yeah, they'll do it, whatever. Yeah, ho- hope they don't notice. Um, yeah, but because of all the assault of Bossman's doing, Taker's bus is open, um, and then he, he sends Bossman to the side a few times, and then drops a chair and hits him with it, um, and then you see, like, Bearer, like, smiling that Taker's, like, got the advantage now. Um, Taker scoots Bossman into his shoulder and sends him head first <laughs> into the side, and then, like, keeps him beating into him. Um, and when I actually go back inside, I just notice that the crowd is very quiet throughout this whole match. Uh, I, I noticed another thing about the crowd was every time that they go back to a hard camera shot, and you almost never see this in, with the WWE crowds, where the, specifically that they're like standing up and trying to be like, hey, I'm on TV. Yes. Which I guess maybe they do those angles a bit better now to make sure that doesn't happen. You know, they yeah. probably actually cover their hard camera side enough with like cameras and nobodies to actually make sure that that's not, that there's not just a guy that's like in the middle of like a Roman Reigns match being like, hey, look, I'm on TV. Yeah. Um, but there were a whole lot of people that started randomly standing up during like hard camera shots and you just be you just see them like they just jump up like wave their arms up yeah. and uh it was it was very distracting and it was not helped by the fact that the match was really just uh really just kind of I, I think that was literally the last note that I had is that there was a guy that stood up and blocked the hard camera side then there was a little more brawling. Then some more people stood up and did it. And then there yeah. was some more brawling. Then there was even more people who did that yeah. same thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, rather than rush, um, Taker just tried to go for the old school, but he stopped to center the floor. Bossman does a few punches, but gets low blowed. Um, Taker goes for the tombstone, but um, Bossman gets back out of no, gets out of it and sends Undertaker to the corner again. Um, Bossman does eyes read into the opposite corner, and then uh, take it like you know the one where he kind of sends it into the corner really hard, and he bounces back towards you. Um, Bossman goes for the clothesline, misses, and then Undertaker hits a tombstone like out of nowhere, and that's it. The match is over. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. It. it's like, uh, and if he gives himself, wait, that's it. It's over. Yeah, it's it was. No, so there's nothing to suggest up to that point that the match was anywhere near being over. Yeah, like, that, that was one thing I noticed where I was like, I didn't think it was, for as much as I'm like, this isn't particularly great or anything like that, I felt like, I felt like it was definitely the type of thing where it seemed like they were building to something. Um, yeah. Or, like, Bossman was not, like, an incredible worker or anything like that, but he definitely seemed like he was a guy that, you know, could at least go a he he definitely could go more than nine minutes in a oh, random yeah. match. It wasn't like it's not like a it's not like a, a I can't even think of a good example of this. Like maybe like it's not like a Kali situation where even even for as much as I enjoy Kali, uh, Kali matches tend to be they can't really be fifteen minutes. No, <laughs> they have to be about nine to make sure that it's kind of that you know it's kind of like oh yeah he did a spot and now it's now it's done. Yeah, Whereas yeah. Boss Man did not seem like that at all. It just seemed like they had a rushed match yeah, with a very like, rushed finish. Yeah, it does seem like a very rushed match. Um, so that yeah, that's pretty much the crowd does pop from the tubes on because who wouldn't? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna uh, happen. And that's pretty much well, obviously that that end the match. But obviously, we're talking about after the match. 
because which is more startling. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that kind of, that's kind of the, uh, the high point in a way. Um, Guy and Brown and Christian um, do the Batman entrance, which is drop down for the wafters. Um, break into the cell and give a noose to Taker, who, de- who then proceeds to hang the boss man. And I've been so many things. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that was fun. All right, yeah, sure. but, yeah, anyways, yeah, end of the match. Uh, yeah, Taker gets hanged. Um, I'm, thinking, I'm interested in like why aren't the referees trying to stop him? Because I, I don't see any referees at least trying to you know, stop you know technically a murder happening in your biggest event of the year. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the strangest thing I could ever see. Um, yeah. Where it's like. Uh, so you mentioned that the brood fell from like can't, you know fell from the uh, ceiling basically. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> fell is actually well the brood the brood descended from the ceiling because I'm I'm worried about my terminology because yes. of course you know naturally we're two months out from uh, a, a very unfortunate tragedy that involved height related stunts yes. uh, that the WWF did. And, and part of me was also like, it was, it's the worst. I, I get really morbid when I see that. I guess it's fitting because I mean, it's the undertaker, but I feel like I get like more, a morbid feeling of like, like what if that acts, what if an accident, I mean, I feel like the way that WWF was going there, it kind of does feel like there was going to eventually be like a horrible accident that, murdered one of the wrestlers or whatever that caused like the death of one of their uh talents based on the fact that um they're that they were just like oh yeah you 60 feet up high you know we'll get it right you know whatever Wait, don't, um, i don't really hang them up that high do they because pretty much the way it works that paul bear takes over the head of the cell mechanism and then raises that up uh but he, he, i don't think he's that high it's probably what 10 feet max, maybe? I don't think yeah, he's, that's he's true. That high. Well, but but then you have to think about the idea that uh, if the if the Hell in the Cell was structured in the manner of, like, you know, of how uh, Foley did it. Although, I guess the whole point of Foley's drop was supposed to be that it's a work drop anyway. That it wasn't, like... Well, the first one the, the, yeah, well, the second one for what I'm referring to, yeah. uh, that people stand on top of it and they're like, "Oh God, <laughs> is this thing going to collapse?" Yeah, um, but I, yeah, I remember um, reading Foley's book about that bit, and um, obviously Undertaker does the choke slam, and he you know falls falls through, um, gets a chair hit his face, doesn't exactly help things. Um, but 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 Foley Foley's writing about um, that it, it was like the best and the worst choke slam because visually it looked really bad because he didn't lift Foley up that high, but it's probably the best in terms of safety. Which I know seems weird me saying that, but uh, because I think if Taker you know, did lift him a lot higher, it the injury would have been a lot worse. And I remember I remember the commentary at the um when he goes down, it just Lord just goes, yeah, he's dead. And that, that is completely out of the blue. You, you, generally, you probably generally think, okay, Foley is dead. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's that comment in particular was, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it, it's a cliche now that WWE, whenever a serious thing happens, goes into Owen voice as they were, as they were referred yeah. to it. But, um, considering this was a year before, the actual example of Owen voice. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it definitely feels like a startling thing just to see how, which I guess, I guess that's what they were going for with, uh, I don't know, a noose. (laughs) Um, which, but it was very, (laughs) it was very, um, the, the way that they sold it was kind of the most tepid, uh, hanging of a person that there's ever been somehow because i think like basically after like i mean there's really not much to explain about like actually what happened you know it's just like uh the brood (laughs) the brood bring down a noose paul bearer raises the cage as as undertaker ties 
Boss Man's head into a noose. Yeah. They lift up the cage, and it is as if Boss Man is hanging there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a... It is a visual, but it's quite a shocking visual, because it, it's a shocking thing to do in your biggest event of the year. Yeah, it's... It's like, well, he, you know, he hung him. Yeah. He hung him. Yeah. Um, oh, that's pretty... And, uh, but another thing was, and this is turning into one of those... Uh, I, I feel It's maybe turning into, like, a Bash Cole section... But, like, as this is happening, uh, Cole's screaming, King, could this be symbolic? And my first thought, <laughs> Are you serious? My, yeah, my first thought is, this This seems literal to me. <laughs> this seems disturbingly literal. He literally just wants yeah. this guy gone from the earth. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. symbol, there's not really a symbolism to it. Yeah, other than a man's been hung. Yeah, if you hang on an effigy of Big Boss Man, that's symbolism. If you are actually hanging Big Boss Man, that's more literal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a bit. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess they were trying to go with a more aggressive version of like the uh, the Undertaker shtick from before, yeah. where you know Undertaker would always beat up the jobbers and put them in the body bags, and yeah. you know, give the implication that they all all those jobbers died yeah. fighting the Undertaker. Um, but, uh, this is kind of that point where it started becoming like, um, maybe we should, maybe we should stay, take a step back on this one here. I mean, and I, I didn't have like a problem with like, uh, any of like the other, um, uses of like the Undertaker character, the, you know, the very out there type of things that he would do or like. Like there's the famed uh, angle, which I was I was actually going to ask whether the Stephanie crucifixion angle happened before or after. It was, uh, this. It was, it was after. Backlash. Yeah, um, but you know that that angle I wasn't really you know repulsed or anything like like no, that. It, like I think it was more, and it well it also helps that nothing actually ever happens. No, no, uh, as um, pretty much after the, after WrestleMania, um, the corporation and ministry fused a bit more. Uh, backlash on the taker beats um, Ken Samrock. Um, that's then he kidnaps Stephanie. Well, that sounds like a winner of a match. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that's when he kidnaps Stephanie. And um, for me as a fan, it's when I started to get really properly back into wrestling. Uh, kind of kind of got back into it just before, just after the Survivor Series, and got more and more into it. The you know over nineteen ninety nine. Um, it was. One thing I tried to do is this bizarre like marriage ceremony, uh, but Stokey, uh, Stone Cold comes in and saves the day. Um, yeah, which was an interesting turning point for that character as well, actually. Which I always felt like that, other than in this instance, everything that the Ministry did I did a good job of furthering the other characters on the show, at the very least. Like you know, the idea. The idea of building up Stephanie for what she would eventually be, which is you know turning her, you know, yeah. making her into the sympathetic figure until, of course, they pull the rug out from under us and you know have her be you know the an alpha heel um, yeah. and stuff like that. Where or in the case of like Stone Cold being the fact that like he is this ruthless rattlesnake who doesn't give a damn about anything. But I think I think that is the famous call where Jr. basically said that you know he wasn't doing this you know to save the you know yeah. save uh, the McMahon's or anything like that. He did it because it was the right thing to do. Yes, I mean that, that's what I thought. I thought always thought is like like Austin's problem is with Vince, not Stephanie. So it's like you know Stephanie's got even though they're part of the same family, that's you no know, Stephanie's like the innocent person here. Um, and then but at over the edge. Um, yeah, no one's will see because of what happened at the beginning of it. That's when Undertaker right. uh, uh, beats Austin at the Hunt Dog Champion. Um, I know he, and this is where you guys get to see the higher power because uh, what Lola mentions in the commentary of the WrestleMania match is that Undertaker is like saying, "Oh, he answers to a higher power." Um, and then, um, and I remember there's a bit. I think um, just a couple of few weeks before King of the Wing, where Austin. Finds out who the higher power is, and then the next week you find the higher power is Vince McMahon, which, <laughs> which uh, yeah, I, I, with the great with the it was the you know the what what reveal, yeah. but with like 
my favorite part about even like the bad moments of like the well, I, I, you know what? Actually, I won't even say the reveal of the higher power is a bad moment because the commentary ended up selling me on the idea. Oh, yeah. You know, that it actually was like maybe not like a good moment, but like like just the just the voice of like Jr. saying, "Oh, son of a bitch," yeah, <laughs> was the best. Is one of the best calls that like I mean, he gets a lot of you know calls for you know you know just the yelling of, you know, incessant yelling of Stone Cold and all that, but, yeah. like, when JR was deadpan angry at something, he was the best at it. Oh, yeah. As he, it turns out, Jim Ross, pretty good uh, announcer. Who'd have thought? Oh, yeah, um, yeah, I, think, I mean, um, I, I think Jim Ross is, like, my favorite announcer. Um, in terms of, like, you know, team. He's up there. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm more of a... To be honest, I think I'm. Uh, I don't know where this came from, but I feel like I've heard hearing more of like you know Gordon Soley and uh, Lance Russell. Um, I always I always like their voices because they felt like they were like for as much as Jr. was like greatly talented, his in, he kind of gets influenced by the product somewhat to where he almost becomes like you know too ingrained in yeah. like the particular subject as like, you know, a, a good guy, journalist, bad guy, whatever. Um, where solely and Russell solely seem to exist to make, uh, make, uh, some sort of weird normalcy out of this insanity that you were seeing. Like, yeah, you know, watch, watch Lance Russell do basically anything in Memphis. Like if Lance Russell called the higher power angle, he'd be like, well, Vince McMahon seemed to stick it to us again. Yeah, he just, yeah, he, like, he would just say it. He would say it in the most deadpan manner, and it'd be it'd be great because it's Lance Russell. Yeah. and that's the like, and in those two particular instances, obviously Jim Ross is great, and it's not like not even to say that Lance Russell may be better than Jim Ross. I don't think it's a slam against Jim Ross in any way, shape, or form. No, I mean there's um. Yeah, I still I, I love Jim Ross and all that kind of things like that. Um, yeah, understandably, um, Linda and Stephanie don't take that news very well uh, because they sell, they like, they drop Lee down and basically um, Austin becomes the CEO of the company, <laughs> That's which right. is hilarious. Yeah, it was that's, that does lead to some good some uh, good angles yeah, where I was like, at the, the board meeting and he's like giving beer to everyone. He dumps like this um, this warrior boy from the Mignon, Vince's office, and all that stuff. Um, right. Yeah, and that's something. That, by the way, uh, unrelated, but I always wondered why they haven't went back to that more with uh, the authority angle, to where it's like they have they've already you know had this you know, idea that like all these people have these office jobs, you know, that, that Stephanie and triple H run the show that Kane is basically the guy that's there to make sure everything's, you know, fits and whatnot, you know, that, you know, or Brad Maddox or whatever. And all the, all these, that all these people are basically, you know, working in cogs in this machine, but we almost never really see them be like, uh, well, I mean, other than like general generic, uh, GM stuff, yeah. We don't really see them like be like like what's what's the director of operations doing at Titan Towers? You know, we don't ever see stuff like that. And I'm, I'm like that would be like I, I mean that would probably be comedic gold to me like cuz of the absurdity of like, you know, pro wrestlers and you know in a corporate environment anyway. Yeah. But it also, I think would further those characters to where it's more than just like a random job title. Uh, like just a random title for them to be called the director of operations or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I know that um, he. I'm going to say, I know the previous like in 2013, while well, Triple H and the Brock Brock does like go into Titan Towers and just wrecks Triple H's office. I remember that one. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, think uh, I think uh, to I've turned into a WWE shill and I didn't realize it, but I think my favorite. Uh, uh, my favorite thing about uh, the WWE Network is that you realize that they title the Raw shows. Okay. Like, I did not realize there were actual titles for the Raw show. And I think the one where Lesnar starts wrecking stuff at Titan Towers is called Mr. Lesnar Goes to Stanford. 
So uh, that's kind of genius. <laughs> I just thought they'd just put the war and the date it was aired. I didn't mean to give it actual proper titles. No, it's a good one. No, some of them are like, you know, generic ones like The Animal Returns or Old yeah. School Raw. But like when they actually get to like, there was an event that happened on this show and we're going to make a pun based off of something. Yeah. It's where I'm like, wow, why don't they just title these to begin with? Like, yeah. uh, just do it. Just, you know, I mean, t- I mean, I, I know you don't want to take ideas from, of all people, TNA, where I think for their that long period of time they just titled their shows. But, you know, whatever. Just heck with it. We all know it's a fake show. Yeah. <laughs> just call it Mr. Lesnar Goes to Titan every week or whatever. Yeah. Uh, don't forget, you get the one where um, when he's having the, when the seat with the feud of John Cena and Sandy Contract. Uh, John and I said it's the Genomize at the time, and the letter goes. It, oh. Was it the one where it leads up to that for this for the match, the show has to be called Monday Night Raw starring Brock Lesnar? Yes, that's it. And I almost used... everything in the show. Uh, I was hoping. I, I feel like they didn't go all the way with that, but I I, I almost was hoping that the entire Raw uh, opening was just going to be Lesnar f fiving people. <laughs> And that, no, uh, it, 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 it's Monday Night Raw, sorry, Brock Lesnar. Yeah, because the, the, it doesn't last very long because that, that's the beginning of the Triple H um, Lesnar feud. But that one, uh, pretty much you see the title bit, and then at the end, the end, the end of the title bit, you see the bit of Dr. Lesnar. They says like, War Super Show, Storm Brock Lesnar. And then just after that, you hear Justin Roberts, the announcer, going, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Monday Night War, Storm Brock Lesnar. <laughs> so it was, I thought it was great because. You hear, when you hear the demand, you're like, oh, not going to go through with it. And then the next week, you see WWE actually going through with it. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty the, much it. The only thing that annoys me about, like, and, we can, and since we're obviously long since finished with this one, we can wrap it up on this. But, like, yeah. the only thing that ends up annoying me about things like that is that when they stumble upon an idea that would be, like, really, really interesting to see if a show has to operate around that, like the idea that's, you know that the entire show has to revolve around Brock Lesnar because of a signed contract that he made because they're like, well, we don't have any other choice. (laughs) He's pretty famous. Um, And then they only do it for one episode and then they just forget about it. I get that they're trying to do that thing where, you know, they, they're like, they want to, they want to pay lip service to the things that they say on the, on their thing while not actually having people go, is this really just a show with Brock Lesnar? I'm on Turn Channel, but yeah. I, I think at the time that it most annoyed me was when they did that uh, walkout angle. Oh, that and, me as well. well, I mean, it was an annoying angle to begin with because the whole basis of the angle is basically everybody's like instead of because they like having safe work conditions and whatnot, or they're like. Damn it! And then Triple H is like, "Why don't you come back to work, you numb skulls? Stop being you. Just you're just weak, you know, all that sort of stuff." Yeah, the, but the, sorry, the, the thing that got me about that was when Beth Phoenix was a Divas champion. Oh God, yeah, yeah she's like going, well, that's true too. Yeah, she's like going, "Oh, we don't feel safe." And Triple H like going, yeah. "What the fuck's going to do with you? It's not affecting you." <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's that's. I mean, yeah, it, I mean. But the thing that most annoyed me about all that was when they set up for the whole deal, they basically just paid lip service to it for like 15 minutes and were like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a Sheamus and uh, John Cena match and CM Punk's going to call commentary and uh, Triple H is going to be the referee to where it's like it feels like it was the start of something like interesting to where it's like, well, what do they do if they have only four people on the show? Yeah. And then 20 minutes later into it, Vince McMahon just says, oh, you know, no, everybody back to work. Everybody's got yeah. settled and you're gone. And you're like, I I wanted to see where this was going here. I yeah, wanted to see sense. if there was a way, like, I mean, it, kinda, it, it would be really weird and it certainly wouldn't, you know, help anybody in the long term. But if you're going to do a storyline where the basis is, Almost all the roster is like, no, I'm. We're not coming back. Um, do it, and you know, including like the announcers and everybody else. Like, try to see if you could run like you know two hours for it, and then do like the end angle. Be like, you know, I mean, you could end the show and be like, yeah, you know, everybody's coming back to work, and you're fired, Triple H, boo. Yeah. 
<laughs> and you're like, this was the worst Raw ever. There was only four. There was only two matches. Yeah. <laughs> there was only two matches. And John Cena just talked about, I don't know, JBL is poopy for, you know, three hours. <laughs> this is weird. But, like, at least, like, at least it felt like, give that a chance. Yes, I, I think so. I mean, it's... This do WD should do that. They see, they see that some see something interesting and then teams just, just like end it quite quickly. Um, yeah, which is you know it, it's been a shame because um, you know a lot. Of, I mean, there's so many things. I mean, I, I love still love watching WWE and all that stuff, but some some things that seem annoying and probably a bit rushed. That kind of it's it's yeah, but I mean it's it's wrestling. We deal with it. I yeah, mean, no, yeah. I guess I guess um, if we're talking about like symbolic things, I don't think the boss man died. No, we didn't. Fortunately, he did die five years later. <laughs> yeah, he did. He died. by an unrelated situation, but yes. you know. Uh, well, yeah, because he, I can't remember. I'm sure um, they kind of. I think they kind of just dismiss it uh, like a week later. Yeah, he got hand but he's fine. What kind of thing? Um, they do seem to do. You see, like wrestlers seem to go through this really like bad thing, and then you want always be alright, and then yeah, because yeah, they come back as if nothing's happened. Um, yeah, so yeah, there's that, and then pretty much to finish up doing the take a bit. Um, he he gets involved in the title picture. Uh, Austin beats him the day after King of the Ring after uh, for the title. And then you get the end of an era match of putting loads for the first blood match and taking loses that. And Vince is never seen on TV again for six weeks. <laughs> so uh, I, was, I, I almost felt like you were, I I'd almost thought you were just like making up a narrative where you're like, and Vince was never seen on TV again and nobody ever came back. Yeah. <laughs> like I thought, I, I thought for a second, I was like, wait, no, he's no, this is just how it happens. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, one quick thing before we finish. Um, obviously, it's, it's been announced that uh, in this year, Undertaker is facing Brock Lesnar. Uh, do you think that's a good choice? Um, it's. I mean, it's as valid a choice as you can have at this point. I mean, there's there's not too many other like you know big matches that uh, Taker could really do. And I mean, though, I think I think they they have a good thing going with the idea of you know Taker and Lesnar. I like that they actually did a really good job with, you know, Paul Heyman being, you know, as great as he is, to where Heyman logically addressed the idea that um, that Heyman was managing Punk last year and Punk failed his challenge, but Brock is not going to fail at this challenge this year. You know, that he was you know, that he's obsessed with this idea of ending the streak. And then also because, and then also Paul Heyman just being a genius and being able to spin uh, an entire crowd being like, you know, going for chanting for CM Punk and then being like, oh, yeah, I'll talk about CM Punk for 10 minutes or so. And then immediately finding a genius segue to be like, no, we're talking about my thing. Here yeah. you go. Without just being like, here's CM Punk talk. And then there's like, you know, and then he's like, oh, by the way, Brock Lesnar, you know, he, he, like, I don't know what, like. Paul Heyman is better at this than all of us are. <laughs> better at the, at how at I don't know life. Uh, certainly talking. God, yeah. I think I think he's probably one of the best in the mic. Uh, I know he did, he did comedy in two thousand one, and um, obviously I'll get to listen to him when he faces because he's commentating when God, when yeah, faces uh, Triple H for the first time. And God, comes, yeah, that's some that that was you know his commentary on uh, WrestleMania seventeen was. Very very solid. One of the one of the high points of that show. Oh yeah, it is. I mean, people like regard WrestleMania seventeen as one of the probably the best WrestleMania they've had so far. But that that is such a that's just a stacked card. Anyway, you've got well, you've got Taker faces Triple H, you've got the Vince vs. Shane match, you've got Austin Walk two, you've got TLC two as well. So like very stacked card in that. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much the end of the match. We obviously digress to other things as well. Um, the next, uh, Undertaker does get injured for a joint injury at the end of 1999, and then he comes back, Judge of 80,000 has the biker gimmick. So this will be the last time you see him as a dark man for five years, which is weird yeah. now. Um, yeah, so that's it. So, um, Trey, um, where can we find you on the internet? I usually uh, just do things that... Uh... Uh, my Twitter is a crimson mask. Uh, 
And hopefully very, very soon, if I'm not terribly lazy enough about this, uh, I should have some work up. Uh, usually I do uh, recaps of uh, the the televised reality show Total Divas on uh, Tom Holzerman's The Wrestling Blog, which is at uh, walls of jerichoholic.blogspot.com. And then I think I'm going to try to uh, send some stuff over to, uh, oddly enough, a publication, I think, uh, based around uh, the UK, uh, Sabotage Times, uh, sabotagetimes.com, which just has like all kinds of stuff and uh, things of that sort. And I think I will talk about the WWE Network, which I've begun to realize is maybe a futile exercise considering that the UK currently doesn't have the WWE network. No, I'm, so I'm kind of just, I'm kind of just like, just saying, wouldn't it be cool? It'd be cool if you did, you know, yeah. <laughs> over and over almost yeah. a wank motion. Yeah. In, in the UK, it's all the W's and um, the sky sports like network. Um, they, there's, there's people that own sky also own Fox. So I think it would have been hard to do the WWE network. That way, they might kind of now kind of do it via like Netflix or something like that here, but um, hopefully we'll get something like that. Um, yeah, I, the upside is at the very least you do seem to get like most of the shows, like the main shows. Yeah, we get all there, and then you get like some like I don't think we get like vintage collection here or anything like that, which you know or, or things like that where before the network started. We would have to be like, oh, how are we going to ever watch this uh, 1980 uh, Andre the Giant Hulk Hogan match in yeah. which the their uh, alignments were reversed? Yeah. <laughs> how will that ever happen? Yes. It's going to be interesting to see if the UK does get that. Um, as for me, you can uh, my website is lowdownwrestling.blogspot.com. Um, to focus on pay-per-views reviews in a minute. Um, the next stage, the next will be up will be TNA Lockdown, which takes place uh, Sunday after I'm recording this, and I'm not watching TNA for four months, so um, that's going to be interesting for me to see. Um, so Ethan Carter the third. I, I mean, I look. Um, yeah, I, know, I know about that, but um, I've pretty much I'm not seeing TNA since the New Year because I've just not had time. I don't get to watch that much wrestling at the minute because of work. So. Right. Um, we're watching NFT regularly because I think that's like the best show that WWE's putting out at the minute. Oh, um, Arrival was yes. fantastic. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I'll, I'm not in a sense to watch that. Yeah, I'll probably watch that. Yeah, the, that's it's it's worth uh, it's worth finding by whichever means you can find it. It's yeah. just it's fantastic. Yeah, um, and also you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Lowdown Wrestling, or one word. Um, if you got any questions about the streak in general, uh, send me a tweet or send me an email at lowdownwrestling at gmail.com. Uh, Trey, thank you once again for being on the show. Oh, yeah. No, no problem. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. And um, next, the next one will be um, WrestleMania 17, um, which I will be with Tom Holzman from the Wrestling Blog, and we'll talk about when he faces Triple H for the first time. Until then, thank you for listening, and take care.